At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, welcome to this, I'm going to call it a Toyota fanboy. <laughs> episode of Talking Cars because we're going to be talking about two things, actually three things, Tom. We're going to be talking about off-roading, we're going to be talking about the 4Runner, and more importantly, we're going to be talking about the FJ Cruiser. We just bought an FJ Cruiser. It's a 2014 and it was very expensive. And an FJ Cruiser is one of those iconic cars uh, that feels like it should have been made by some other company and not Toyota, if you know what I mean. What do you mean by that? It's just so wacky for a company like Toyota that's so buttoned down to come up with something that's so heavily style-driven. Yeah, and in this podcast, we'll talk about all the really cool things that make the FJ Cruiser so special, and we'll talk about why we bought the FJ Cruiser, why maybe you out there should buy the FJ Cruiser, and perhaps why you uh, should probably buy a 4Runner. All right, and that is coming up right after the intro. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. All right, we're back. So, Tommy, we normally buy either classic, cool old cars or cool new cars, but the FJ is kind of neither one of those, right? Because, well, it was built from 2007, at least sold from 2007 to 2014 here in the United States. It's actually still sold in many places around the world, so places like... um, South America. No, actually, sorry, uh, South Africa. Yeah, and the Middle East. You can go out and buy a brand new FJ Cruiser. But, like you mentioned, in the U.S., it was only around for seven model years. And it was an interesting seven model years because when it debuted, um, you know, 2006, 2007, right, around that era, we were heading into the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it's an odd bird for Toyota because it's so heavily driven by its style, right? I mean, uh, you know, in some of the other podcasts we've done, we've said that there are no such thing as boring cars with uh, clamshell doors, right? Think about the ones that have clamshell doors, the Honda Element, uh, the BMW i3. And Mazda cor- RX-8. RX-8, and of course now the FJ Cruiser. And it's true, right? The, the vehicle... Uh, was specifically designed to be a dedicated off-roader with all of that design going into that function. So, um, you know, Toyota is the world's largest automaker. They usually build uh, cars for the mass audience, uh, and this car was designed for the enthusiast. So I have kind of a different perspective. I think a lot of the FJ Cruiser design is not for its off-road capability because there's a lot of really silly design elements that probably hamper it off-road. Like three wipers? No, like the fact that you can't see out the back or really out the front or out the side. (laughs) It was actually designed in California by Calti. Yeah, so the concept came out in 2003. 
And it's styled after the original FJ, the FJ-40, which, you know, grew in popularity in the United States throughout the 1960s and 70s. It was a competitor to the CJ, the Jeep. And uh, that's where a lot of the design comes from. So in the front, you've got the round lights with the Toyota grille. Uh, you know, you've got the white roof, which is straight out of the FJ40L. A lot of similarities, but this is kind of more of a throwback vehicle. So the FJ40 was definitely, you know, all about function, all about durability and simplicity, where the FJ Cruiser had a lot of m- more elements in it that were cool, but didn't necessarily help it in terms of longevity or offer capability. Yeah, let's talk about it kind of... Uh First in mechanical terms and then in sales numbers uh, so that we kind of set a baseline. So it does share uh, the basic chassis and running drivetrain from the uh, Toyota 4Runner. Yeah, so it's based on the old Toyota 4Runner. Slightly shorter, though. So yep. it's got a shorter wheelbase than the 4Runner, but the 4-liter V6 is the same. The transmissions were pretty much Five the same. Automatic yeah, you know, frame or manual. Des- frame design was pretty much the same. Um, and that was, I think, based actually on the uh, Prado in some ways. Right, so it goes back to like the European uh, vehicle, if I recall right. And like I said, it was sold from 2007 to 2014, and they sold about 220,000 of them over that seven-year stretch, uh, with most of them being sold in 2007 and 2008. Uh, and I think about 120,000 of those were sold in those two years. And then the following years, they sold between 13 and 14,000 every year. Uh, and the reason, of course, is whenever a new car is introduced, there's the most excitement around it, the most interest. And so the first year of production or the second year is always when you sell the most of them. So if you're out there looking for one uh, in the used market, um, those will be the ones you'll run into the most. Uh, and then they did do some changes uh, in 2009. Um, for the 2010 model of the year, they made the diff a little bit more um, aggressive, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Uh, uh, but for the most part, uh, it, it remained fairly unchanged for those seven years that it was sold. They did improve like the infotainment system a little bit. Yeah, the radio got a little bit better. And then I think the big thing they changed is 07 and 08 seemed to have a lot of rust issues. So the frame of, of those two years especially, if you look under them, especially in the used market, if they've come out of a salty location, they tend to be uh, a, a little bit more crusty, we'll say, than the later ones. And this was an issue not only to the FJ Cruiser, but you remember like Tacoma had that huge frame we called? Yeah, they had actually, we had a friend who actually had a Tacoma where they changed out the entire frame uh, under warranty, and that is a big job. That is a big job <laughs> for sure. That is a big job, yeah. Uh, one of the c- cool things, I guess, about the FJ is it's probably outside of the Wrangler the least appreciating car. We bought a 2014 with 57,000 miles on it, and it costs us 33,500, which is uh, almost as much as it costs new, actually. Which is just shocking. Yeah, which is just shocking. And I think the reason for that is, well, because Toyota has this reputation for reliability, uh, and uh, the car has become, dare I say it, Tommy, a modern collectible. It certainly has a cult following. So there's people that like the FJ, and there's people that love the FJ, and there's a lot of people that can only drive FJs, it seems like. So there's a lot of, you know, just hardcore fans, similar to the Jeep world, except in the Jeep world, you have 30-some years of Wrangler, right? In the in the FJ world, you had seven years of FJ. So that really limits, realistically, the uh, the number of modern-era uh, FJ cruisers that you can buy. I mean, it's great. The, the idea is great of buying an old FJ40, but the reality is they're really small and cramped, and I, I just didn't fit in one when I drove it. 
good and they don't really have air conditioning for the most part unless you retrofit them and they're pretty slow. So the FJ Cruiser had a lot of the, the cool design elements of the original but brought it into the modern era. Now, the, the O3 concept is pretty much exactly what into production in 07. There were some cool design elements they left out. So, for example, the uh, the transmission shifter on the concept was like a shovel. Yeah. You know, it had this cool shovel handle design. Yeah. The, uh, they had these interior lights that you could remove and use as flashlights. Some of those components didn't make it into the final version, but there were some weird things that did. Stuff like the body-colored interior panels. So you've got these like uh, uh, panels on the dashboard and across the doors that match the outside. You've got those weird little marker lights in the in the mirrors. Those made it in a production that you just won't typically see in other Toyotas. Yeah, and the color that it came out in was Voodoo Blue. It's a very bright blue. Which I didn't know. So Voodoo Blue is like, in my mind, the TRD uh, Pro color right. from like the uh, Tacoma and 400, right? But right. it turns out that was actually an FJ color too, 10 years, 13 years ago. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's a really bright color. And, you know, what makes that car so cool is it's, you know, it's, like I said, it's designed and purpose-built to be an off-roader. So you've got these two little, like, uh, I'm going to call them jaunty fenders that, that jut out in front of the wheels, right? And those can be replaced if they get hit. Uh, you've got the inclinometer on the inside. You've got this little binnacle with, like, three cool, um, there's a compass, there's a therm- thermometer for and clock for outside temperature, and then there's an inclinometer, right? Um, then, of course, you've got uh, the clamshell doors, uh, which are, you know, really unique. Uh, and then you have all the things that you need to go off-road, right? You have a really good approach angle, departure angle, breakover angle, because the wheelbase is relatively short. Uh, and you can get, uh, depending on, you know, what model you, you purchase, you can get, um, you can get A-Track, Later years, you could get the A-Track with the little uh, knob where you could control the speed, and that's basically an off-road uh, crawl control system. And best of all, you can get a locking rear diff. So you have a center locker and a rear locker, A-Track. It makes it pretty unstoppable off-road. Uh, but beware. When we were looking for one, I was looking for one in L.A. because, you know, you don't want a car that comes out of some place that is not salty, like you said. Uh, and I found a whole bunch of uh, FGs that were really cheap. Do you know why? Yeah, they're two-wheel drive. Yeah, they're two-wheel drive. You know, I would argue, though... <laughs> you can get into. You could have gotten into. it. I drive. would make the argument that the FJ Cruiser is no more purpose-built off-road than a 4Runner. Okay. Because if you can buy a two... How about, how about purpose-designed off-road? No, I think I think it was just a much cooler-looking 4Runner. It's right. like if you wanted a 4Runner, you wanted to go off-road, but you also wanted a lot more design. Because there's the fact that they made a two-wheel drive version tells me that they weren't all intended to go well, that, that, just drive that's off-road. That's the California and Texas But people. they sold them here. I mean, you could buy the just like on the foreigner. You can buy a two wheel drive. Yeah, I'm betting a lot of dealers didn't order two wheel drive FJs. But my, so my point is, though, um, you, you know, it's a really cool vehicle, but for a lot of people, it's pretty heavily compromised. So, like the clamshell doors. Yeah, if you're buying it as a family car, you're going to hate the back seat. Yeah, the clamshell doors aren't great, and the back seat is really small. And the visibility is because of that. It's almost got the Hummer like uh, short. Uh, you know, short roof line, right, height, and so you, you kind of don't see out of it very well. No, it's it's very hard to see, especially rocks coming up. Um, so I think there's a lot of, like, deterrence to its design. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it's any less off-road worthy than a Forerunner. And we did take it off-road for the first time seriously yesterday, and we'll get to that. So we'll talk about, you know, how it does off-road. Now let's talk about the Forerunner, right? You can still buy the Forerunner. Yeah, um, now, much more practical. That's a much more Toyota-ish car. Now we're up, I think, to the... 
fifth gen foreigner and it's still basically the same powertrain yep four liter uh, v6 only the five speed automatic in the u.s yeah the fj was available in a manual the six speed manual um but the foreigner is, is very similar you know solid uh, rear axle independent front suspension body on frame it had skid plates underneath uh a track crawl control um, you know, are available on the Forerunner. So very similar in terms of off-road capabilities. A little bit longer, which means the breakover isn't as good. So, so it's like they're, they're, they're siblings, but the FJ is kind of the more artsy, more... Yes, I think that's a great way of looking at it. <laughs> more kind of out there version of the, of the same vehicle. And we met with a, a, a lovely guy named James. Who yeah, James is, Buff, yeah. He's, yeah he's, he's, he runs the uh, Facebook FJ page. Yeah, in Colorado. He's a real expert on these things. And he told us the progression typically goes, you buy an FJ Cruiser, and then you always end up in a 4Runner. So you have the FJ Cruiser, you have fun, you wheel it off-road, you build it up, and then it turns out you, you get the wife and the kids, and then you need room, and then you end up with the 4Runner. So that seems to be the progression for FJ people. Now, now let's talk about uh, kind of the options that were available. So ours... Uh, when we bought it in 2014, there were three packages, um, and basically we didn't get the off-road package, but it had a lot of the off-road goodies, right? So it had the locking rear diff, it had the A-track. Uh, yep. Uh, it didn't have the, um, I guess it was like an like a locking diff that would uh, work with the transmission to lock and unlock as it electronically controlled, right? Ours just locks and stays locked. So once it's locked, it stays locked. I haven't locked. heard about that. Yeah, that, that, I was looking at the the, 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 the options list for 2014. And there was also uh, rock rails were an option. Which we don't have. So rock rails are an option. JBL sound was an option. We, we have the big subwoofer in the back. Yep. And then, of course, we didn't get the uh, roof rack, but we went and bought one. Right, you really wanted the roof rack. Yeah, I just think it's part of the whole thing. So um, it feels naked without it. The, the the kind of the pinnacle of them was the, the Trails Team Edition. Yeah, if you're in the off-road... Toyota World, you'll know it because it's basically the TRD version of the Forerunner, the Trail Teams version of the FJ. It's just a different branding. Yes. Uh, you could get TRD exhaust on the FJ. Yeah, by the, the way. TRD exhaust. Trail mm-hmm. Team was more or less a, like a, a, a color and sticker package. It was an appearance package. Every year they picked one color uh, that they featured, like our, ours is cement, and then they would color uh, toward the end, they would color match not just the uh, the little molding, right, but also the seats. Yeah, the seats were color matched. I think they, uh, it's depending on the year, but I, I'm pretty sure almost all, if not all of them, had um, paint-matched oh. roofs. Yeah. So, like, ours has a white roof, but I think the Trails team had the body-colored roofs. Which is weird because the paint-matched, according to James, roof is actually much easier to make than when you have to basically spray-paint the roof white and you have to put two colors in the body. I don't think they're spray painting it. I don't see like a guy out there like with a rattle can. No, no, no. It's robotically spray painted. Right. right? They, There's they machines. Just, they, they paint it up, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the Trails team also had special wheels. I think it had different wheels yeah. over ours. But it didn't have any more off-road capability. But in 2014, they only made somewhere around 2,500 of them. And people really, really love them. That's yeah, there, there's the one this final edition in 2014, and there's also even a more final edition that came out in 2017 in Japan. That's also crazy. But the one here in the U.S. is the most valuable. Those are running like forty-five thousand right now. Yeah, which is crazy because I think new they were probably forty or, or forty-two thousand. Uh, like a 2007 FJ, and we pay like a two thousand dollar premium here in Colorado for them. So if you're someplace else. You know, or if you're in Colorado and you want one, look someplace else and then bring it back here. But um, you know, a high mileage one, and I, I consider anything over 200k to be high mileage. 2007, 2008, those are like anywhere from like let's say on the low end, maybe 10,000 to on the high end, 15. Okay. Uh, and then of course, 
the later the model, the less miles, the more expensive it gets. And if you get the trails team, just add another premium, like 5K on top of that. Right, right, which is just absurd to me. Uh, uh, but th- that's what people want. I mean, people love the, the last ones, and especially 2010 and newer are the ones that are the most desirable. So people pay typically well over 20, 25 grand. Now, just like uh, Jeeps, uh, there's a lot of uh, available mods for them. Uh, so um, the one difference between, of course, an FJ and a Wrangler is that the FJ has independent front suspension, whereas a Wrangler has a solid axle. Uh, solid axle on the back of both vehicles. Uh, and so they're a little bit harder to lift. It makes it a little bit more tricky, but yeah. it's still super doable. But obviously the first thing people did with them was lift them. Yeah, you see lift kits, um, bumpers were big, so you see a lot of winch bumpers on them. Uh, roof racks up top, very popular. You can you know armor the underside of them, various rock rails are options. Pretty much anything you'd expect on an off-roader you can do to an FJ Cruiser. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, you know they're not quite as... I like to say the Wrangler is kind of the Harley of the automotive world. You can really make it your own, right? There's such a huge aftermarket for it. Huge. Seriously, it's big. Uh, aftermarket for it. Uh, but with the FJ, uh, it's a little bit smaller, so you don't quite have the choice of front bumpers, rear bumpers, right? When I see them modded, they all kind of always look the same to me, whereas when I see a Jeep that's modded, it looks very different. The interesting thing about the FJ... You don't agree, though. Is that like, I don't agree, look. Well, I just think there's a really big off-road community around them. I think there's... You'd be... If you start diving into it, there are tons of options for parts. But they... they like I say, when I see a modded FJ, it, it looks very similar to to, to to all the other modded FJs. It, right? Wranglers, when you see them, they're, they're crazy different. Because you can go really crazy with a Wrangler, right? People not only just mod them, but people will cut them and you know put forty fours on them. This is not things that this is not something that's happening with an FJ. I mean, yeah, there's, there's certainly less right. They of cut that. them, they stretch them, or they get the stretch version, right? I mean, there's just you know they, they tear the whole body off of them, so you have like naked Wranglers. I mean, there's just this whole world of of, of different Wranglers. The FJ Cruiser, though, if you want to go into the off road community there, there's a lot that you can do to them i, I yeah. don't want to make it sound like they're all looking yeah i mean we've gone to the fj summit now both of us and when you go there there's certainly uh, a variety of different ones yeah huge huge numbers of, of of just stuff that you can do to them um now the fj cruiser let's compare it to let's talk about the forerunner sure um because that's got more mods the the foreigner I think might have more mods because they build more of them. They built two hundred and twenty some thousand, like you said, FJ cruisers, which sounds like a lot, and it is a lot. But, but not nothing compared to the foreigner. Yeah, nothing compared to the foreigner or the Wrangler. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, if you're looking at like a twenty fourteen FJ cruiser, you, you, price wise, you could get into a foreigner SR five, brand new. You know, with the warranty. Yeah. So which one would you rather have? Would you do the Forerunner or the FJ? Well, it depends. You know, I mean, the Forerunner, your neighbor's going to have the FJ, not so much. Why, what, which one would you do, I'm asking? FJ. FJ? Yeah. I love the Forerunner. You know, um, well, so Toyota, of course, used to have that 4-liter in everything, including the Tacoma. And then they went and they put the 3.5-liter uh, V6 into the Tacoma. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, I'm just not a huge fan of that en- engine. It's uh, it's not very much uh, more fuel efficient, right? That was a re- rationale. And by the way, the reason they discontinued the FJ, well, um, Officially, the reason it may have been because they were only selling thirteen to fourteen thousand a year, but was because of cafe standards, right? It's not a very fuel efficient vehicle, and so to get away from that, they they put a three point five liter into the Tacoma, uh, which isn't much more fuel efficient, uh, and certainly isn't as smooth or as uh, in my at least in my book uh, as 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 coveted as that four liter. So, but you can still get the four liter in the Forerunner. 
Yes. So with that five-speed manual, which is crazy, because now like our, Sil- automatic, yeah. our, our Silverado has a ten-speed, which is absolutely crazy. So you would you would get the used FJ Cruiser over uh, the new Ford? We did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, hmm. I love the foreigner. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, uh, when I did um, a couple of years ago, I, I, I had the pleasure to go from Moab all the way to Telluride. Uh, basically, not for the FJ Summit, but I was there for the FJ Summit, and we we did off road, uh, and I, we got to drive uh, all of the off roady uh, Toyotas, and that includes the Tundra, the Tacoma, the Land Cruiser, uh, the Forerunner, and the um, I forget one or the Tacoma. Did I say that already? Not the FJ wasn't around. I don't think they had the Land Cruiser, did they? Yeah, they had the Land Cruiser. Did they? Then. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was well, they had the Land Cruiser because it was with um, uh, Overland. Um, oh yeah, but that was Kurt built out. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it was there. Yeah. You. I mean, you weren't driving it. No. 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 Yeah. But I've driven it. Right. I know what it's like. We actually owned one. So. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, out of all those, my favorite by far was the Forerunner. It just felt the most. Uh, but you would still get the FJ over. Yeah, the because it's cool. That's why it's such a. That's I mean, why it's, it's cool, but you're missing a lot of like the. the you're missing, yeah, the back seat and the trunk and the trunk and the rear window that goes down. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. a little bit of the towing capacity and a new vehicle and a new vehicle with a warranty. Yeah, I think it tows what the FJ tows forty seven hundred. I think four hundred is like five. It's a little bit. It's a little, little bit more, higher. yeah, but it's not much more. I mean, the good news about both of them is they're going to be pretty dead reliable. I, I so I drove the FJ Cruiser off road for the first time yesterday. Yeah, how did, how did you what did you think of it? Well, the ride was really good. Yeah, better than a Wrangler, I'd it's say. Better than a Wrangler, better than a Forerunner off road. Yeah, uh, it doesn't drive as good on road as a Forerunner though, because of the soft ride, it's like a little bit wallowy. Yeah, but when you get it off road, I think it's better. Um, it was a good experience. It's just very hard to see out of, especially out the back. Yeah, but even out the front, like you, it's 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 not so bad on the road. But when you're approaching like a rock, you just have no idea when you're going to hit it with the the front tires. It does have uh, a little rear view camera built into the uh, ours does into the rear view mirror, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, was good. that useful? Um, n- not really. So we did a video yesterday, and we uh, took the uh, FJ up Webster Pass, and it's getting very late in the year here. It's of course November, uh, and it got a little terrifying toward the top because we're on a shelf road that's snow covered, uh, and shelf roads are terrifying enough because basically what you're doing is you're you're on a road that's got like a thousand or two thousand foot fall to one side. Uh, and when you're doing that in snow, especially drifts of snow, uh, then, you know, the chance of you rolling off the mountain are increased exponentially. Uh, and so, uh, in a way, it was very eye-opening to take the vehicle up there. In another way, it was very terrifying. Right. I mean, it was with all that snow. It might be our last time off-roading this year in Colorado. At least up there, up for there, sure. Up in the yeah, high country. That's, that's like high. We were at like 12,000 feet above sea level. But I think the seats are pretty good in the yeah. FJ. Like, they're, they're pretty... I'd say they're like pretty basic. Yeah, they're they're pretty basic. They're not adjustable electrically, right? They're all manual. Uh, I thought four wheel drive was really easy to engage. So you still have a manual lever, but yeah. it's super easy to get it into. How about the low range? Four high and four low. Yeah, really easy to get it in. Um, I never. I tried using the rear locker once, but I typically just use a track. And a track is a really cool system because it, it it appropriates power to the wheels with traction via basically you know brake lock differentials so it squeezes down on the the wheels that are spinning Uh, and it works great it really does work well i I would say for the vast majority of stuff you'll bring that thing through you don't need the rear locker as long as you have the a-track button you'll be good to go yeah and when we bought it the guy who actually had it put on some Really good off-road tires. Which ones are on there now? Do you remember? We go uh, through so many. I, I, yeah, I think I they're Cooper Discoverers, the all-terrains. Are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're, they're certainly off-road worthy. 
Uh, I don't think they're snow rated uh, because we were in the snow, but you know they're, they're they've got big lugs and they're beefy and they uh, certainly have sidewall protection, so they have all the things I want on a tire when I go off road. And it was cool uh, to have those on there, and that's why we were able to take it off road. Right, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, the trunk is pretty big. Ours is a power outlet back there, yeah. So you can put a decent amount and the of subwoofer. stuff. And the subwoofer. You can put a decent amount of stuff into the rear storage area. And you know what my favorite thing about that one is? What? Now that I've lived through a world of uh, all, like, iPad controls, that radio is so easy to use. Yeah, very simple. It's got two two dials, one for volume, one for tuning. Uh, And then it's got the buttons in the bottom. If you want to preset your favorite stations, all you do is push and hold, and it saves it. How easy is that? Compare that to the i3 that we have. Oh, my God. Uh, It really would be nice to have a full panoramic sunroof. I don't know if that was an option. I don't think it was ever an option. I don't think no. it ever was an option. But it would be great to have a glass roof because it's a little it's a little cave-like in there. You're just stuck on it being like, uh, you know. Well, I, I, really, I think it's actually kind of cool. I kind of like that low rider. I really it's like. It's almost hot roddy, right? I mean, the first thing that hot riders did was they chopped and channeled, you know, their vehicles, right? Which meant that they took off like two inches from the roof so that the roof came down because that gives you that kind of really cool, like, you know, you know, the flat bill look. You're kind of. That, you know. It's great, but hot riders don't drive four hours on the freeway. <laughs> I really like the FJ Cruiser, but after coming home, so we drove it about that's five what hours. It, that's what makes it cool. After driving it about six hours yesterday, yeah. I was like, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more of what's going on outside. Oh, I didn't think that. It's just a little bit like, oh. you know what it's like? It's like a Camaro where you're just really in it, but you don't feel like you're that connected to the outside. So well, that's only that's look, the biggest complaint I have. I always look at a vehicle whether I could do like a road trip in it, right? Uh, and I could certainly road trip that thing. I think it'd be very comfortable uh, on the highway. It's uh, got a good ride. The brakes are, you know, confidence inspiring. The steering's a little loosey goosey. It could be because ours is almost sixty thousand. I don't know if it came from the factory that way, uh, but uh, it's a comfortable car. You know, it's comfortable. There is uh, two issues uh, that, that 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 would get me a little you know would keep me from giving it high marks or the top marks you know what those are fuel economy that's one there's one more you can't see this on if you're listening to this but if you're watching this you, you can see what I'm doing yeah there's, there's nowhere to put your arm well there is a place to put your arm it's just completely hard plastic well yeah your right arm's got a nice little squishy thing your left arm's just sitting on this like really hard plastic window cell or below that you've got the little shelf for your arm but it's also that same hard plastic so they didn't put any padding there yeah, I don't know if that was cost cutting or if that was just Toyota's way of, of you know, keeping it cool. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure. I also uh, like the. Um, it's got some. It's got some other quirks. So let's talk about all the all the kind of quirks of the car. Right. We've, we've touched upon a number of them. Uh, so we talked about the three little binnacles. Uh, how about the lights? How do those work? Because they work differently than most cars. Yeah. So there's off. There's daytime running lights. There's daytime running lights on with the markers. And then there's full lights on with the markers. So I don't know why they've got that weird middle position where you have the daytime running lights on with the tail lights on. I, I have no idea what that is used for. Um, why didn't they put automatic headlights in it? That's an interesting thing. It may have been, you know, now they're almost ubiquitous, but back then maybe not. It also has... 2014? That wasn't that long ago, Dad. No, that but, was it, six but, years but it ago. was designed in 20. But they, face, they facelifted it in, what, 2010? Because they got those new tail lights and the new yeah, there's a little bit. So if you if you want to know the difference between the newer ones and the old ones, the newer ones have uh, uh, like uh, red tail lights versus white tail lights, or is it the other way around? Uh, so the old ones yeah. had plain red tail lights, uh, and the new ones have white, and the, the new ones have like little white rings in them. Yeah, so that that's not much of a facelift, right? I think they changed probably the radio a little bit. 
Because I, I was looking at the 09s and 10s, and they had a different head. Yeah, it's got this. It's got this also old school way of like if you want to hook up uh, Bluetooth, which you can, right? You got to do it through voice command, which yep. is weird. Yep. So you push the button, then it says, "How may I help you?" And you got to be like, "Connect Bluetooth." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connecting Bluetooth. It's a long process, so that's a little weird. What else is weird about it? So, like, if you had the TRD exhaust, uh, the exhaust came out behind. To the side, right behind the rear wheel. And if you don't have the TRD exhaust, it comes out straight back, compromising your approach angle, which is a little weird. So, you know, some of them have the exhaust poking backwards, and some of them have it poking sideways. Which is kind of funny. You think they'd all just want to poke them out the side. Do you think our exhaust is original? Yeah, I think it's original. I'm not super sure it is. No, it's original. Why would you replace the exhaust? Well, because I thought I thought that's what one of the things James said. He looked at. It, he's like, that exhaust is going to get caught up on stuff. Yeah, but I think that's the way it was. I think the TRD came out the side. If you know, let us know in the comments below if we got that wrong. Because we've got a big chrome tip on ours. Yeah. Um, but so the TRD also had a big chrome tip. It said TRD. But that one came out the side. I've no doubt the TRD. So here's like another 2014, and it's got a little pipe that just kind of plops out underneath the rear bumper. Anyway, ours is a big chromey pipe, which so looks cool. There's a 2014. Yeah, I see it. So I'm wondering what the deal is with the exhaust. Maybe someone just put the tip on it. Maybe it's got like an aftermarket tip. So that, that's also quirky about it. Of course, the three wipers are perhaps the most quirky thing. Now, the other quirky thing is and once you get to see this, you'll never unsee it. It's got a really unique light signature because, Tommy? Because of the little marker lights on the mirrors, which which look like they should be spotlights. But they're not. No, they just kind of very dimly illuminate when you drive down the road. But apparently you can buy like for 12 bucks, you can buy little LEDs and you can put in there and make them much brighter. But then you'll blind people with your mirror lights. I don't think they're that blind. I mean, those, those things, if you look at the pattern on the outside, they're not clear. They're like, uh, uh, got, got little like ridges and, you know, inside mm. of them. So I think they're never meant to be like lights that light anything up. They're just marker lights. I do like the um, spare tire on the back. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It, it, it's got this weird spare tire cover. Yep, it's got a hard shell spare tire cover. Well, it's half hard shell. And we were looking at ours, and it had some bridge stones, but they were like all seasons. They weren't like, you know, they weren't anything off-roady. Yeah, for sure. And then you can actually, um, if you don't want to open up the whole rear swing gate, you can put the key in, hold it to the right, and then just pop up the glass. So you can just open up the glass. To I always forget about that. Stuff into the... Like, like, in some vehicles, you can turn it one way and the um, windshield comes down, right? This one pops open. But that's something I always forget about, so I always open up the entire tailgate. The other thing you got to look out for on these is uh, frame rust. Ours has just a little bit, but we looked at a whole bunch of yeah, them. We talked about it at the beginning. Yeah, there were so many. That, if you're buying one, there were so many that had fr rusty frames for some reason. In the back, I like how everything is all rubberized and plasticized, so yeah. it's all covered in plastic and rubber. And we have, a, I think, 400, is it? watt outlet back there yep 400 watt outlets yeah, um, which is an option yep and i also like the floors are also covered in this rubberized material oh and there was the other thing uh later in the later years we have uh controls on our uh on our steering wheel the early ones didn't have the steering wheel controls. oh interesting okay yeah i believe so we have like audio you know volume and hmm. and such um so apart from that other weird things i can't see well, out of the blind spots that's not great no what's the other weird thing is a glove box Yes, it's got this massive uh, uh, slab of plastic in front of the passenger, and then the glove box is actually this little thing that lives underneath the dash. Yeah, so there's a little tiny like glove box uh, that that's hidden, you know, where your knees would go, and then there's this other glove box that's in front of the 
driver oh, yeah, on the top. Little, the little, one. little cubby hole, which is weird. Uh, it kind of matches the cutout for the airbag on the passenger side, but there's like a little cubby in front of the driver where you could put stuff into. There's also no uh, closed center console, so what they do is they give each seat individual armrests, and then there's just a big kind of like bin in between the driver and the passenger. Yeah, and it's okay in cup holders, so there are two cup holders, and I think you could put cups in the doors too. Yep, and then you also have this big shifter, so it looks like a, um, I don't know, it's hard to kind of ex- explain what it looks like, but it's this big kind of round it's very thing. industrial looking it's like a big it's like a it's like almost like a pipe that somebody turned into a shifter and that's some of the ones that i was looking at before we bought ours uh had uh almost that whole thing was made of billet steel i'd love to get that actually oh really yeah it looked, like, a, it really like an cool. aftermarket it looked thing. exactly like the one we have which is plastic and by the way that little plastic chrome top cap was an option believe oh. it or not hmm. i like the white gauges too i think the white gauges are neat and they illuminate white at night so it tells you um, uh, RPMs, speed, uh, engine temperature, and voltage. So good gauges. But yeah. as far as I know, there's no MPG gauge. So there's a trip computer. Which is weird. But there's no way to tell you what your current is. Yeah, because MPG it's so is. miserable. What is the MPG? What was it official? I think it's today? like 17 combined. Yeah. It was I think great. it's worse. Maybe, maybe like 1920 on the highway and yeah, like 15 in the city. That yeah. sounds right. I think, yeah, in the city you're going to do a little bit worse. So what's the horsepower? It's about 260. 60 horsepower, yeah. about 271 pound-feet of torque. So, Which is plenty for that vehicle. I never felt like it doesn't – And you know what? I was driving down the highway thinking to myself, you know, uh, our support vehicle – and if you want to watch this video, it will be up either on off-road or car at some point soon, as soon as we get done editing it. But our support vehicle for that was the uh, Silverado. Uh, and, you know, that has a 10-speed automatic transmission. And when you're like going down the highway and you get to a big hill, which we have a lot of, right, you'll, you'll floor it and it'll like go from 10 to 8 to 6, right? It'll just do, 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 do. The, the FJ really can't do that, right? It, it doesn't have all those gears. So it'll go like from 5 to 3. Right. But it seems to be okay. It doesn't, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like it's hurting for gears, which is funny because now with these, you know, massive transmissions, uh, you think a five-speed would be pretty archaic. It does okay. I mean, yeah, it's got good power. And so good sound. It's all it also has this weird thing, like all of those four liters, when you start it up, there's a huge fan. And it sounds like you're starting up a jet engine. Yeah. It goes, <laughs> I don't think it's direct injected, though. I think it's just like a port-injected engine. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, around for a long time, so it's going to be dead reliable. The one great thing about these is, and you'll see relatively, you know, commonly on either Craigslist or Facebook or at dealers, wherever you're looking for these things, that they'll have not just 200, but there'll be ones with 300,000 on them, which is incredible for a vehicle that, you know, was uh, just around for seven years starting in 2014. Do you like the... No, uh, 2017. You, do you like the fake hood scoop? No, I hate the fake hood scoop, but the foreigner has it. They all, <laughs> loves fake hood scoop, so I just think it's a Toyota thing. I, you know, uh, we talked to um, Mike Swears, uh, the engineer for the Tundra and Tacoma, I think, at one point, and I went like, "Hey, dude, why? What's up with the fake hood scoops?" And he, this is his thing, so you know, take this for what it's worth, guys. I'm not saying this is set in stone. Uh, but the reason they don't make it functional is because uh, for Toyota, reliability is one of the cornerstones of any vehicle they build, uh, and they have a very specific set of engine ambience 
that has to be maintained in the engine compartment for that engine to have that long life. And so what he was saying is if you put a hood scoop on it, what ends up happening is that, say, the, 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 the parameters that you want that engine compartment to be at are from, I'm just, I don't know the numbers, so I'm not going to make numbers up, but let's say you have a scale of 1 to 10, right, 1 being cold, 10 being hot, mm-hmm. and you want that engine to be between, like, 4 and 6. The second you put a hood scoop on it, uh, you could get that engine down to maybe 2 because you're allowing a lot more cold air in. Uh, and he said because of that, they don't make their hood scoops functional. I don't know if that's marketing <laughs> PR. I'll, I'll let you guys, you know, comment on it yourselves but that's what Toyota says well guys let us know what you think of the FJ Cruiser in the comment section below yeah you know and uh, let us know uh, if you think it's worth uh, as much money as people are paying for it you know part of me thinks it's a modern collectible a modern classic so you know the market reflects the demand for the thing Uh, and part of me thinks it's in a bubble what do you think Tommy I think it's um, I don't think it's in a bubble I just think people really love them and I understand why people really love them they're just they're they're unique they're special they make you feel special driving them Um, and it's definitely a a heart over brain thing so you know like the the brain says I'll go buy a forerunner but the heart says FJ Cruiser and I think that's what's going to keep them valuable so a couple things before we wrap this up Um, I need an answer from you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm of two minds uh, on this question. Should we take ours and mod it? Because part of me thinks if it's a modern convertible, a modern classic, uh, it's not a convertible. Wouldn't it be cool if it was? It would be cool. It would be cool like a Jeep. Anyway, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if we want to mod it, you know. Uh, I asked that question in the video we did with James. That's up on TFL Off-Road if you want to actually see it and see a complete walk-around of ours. Uh, and then I asked the viewers, should we mod it? And almost everybody said, yes, mod it. You know, do a full build-out. In fact, if you look at your email today, some guy sent us an email where he's going to do $60,000 oh, worth, worth of mods to it. He's got a whole spreadsheet Jeez. of everything he's going to do to it. Uh, but for me, you know, the, the second you mod something is you make it your own. And then it becomes much less valuable because you just took something that everybody wants and made it into something that you want. And then the trick when you go to sell it, and keep in mind, we don't keep these forever. We you know, use them for video series. We think about them like movie stars in a video. Once they're done, we pass them on to you guys. Um, is that you're making a vehicle that you guys might want into a vehicle that I want, and then you may not want the vehicle I want. Yeah, I think we leave it stuck. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's. Um, I think you're going to take that, a lot of the... That's why I bought that original... Um, Roof rack. Well, that's too stock. What do you mean that's too stock? You, I, I that's think stock you could have done a, an aftermarket roof rack, but I mean keep the suspension stock, keep the bumper stock. What do you mean that's too stock? That that's that's original. That's the way you know. Yes, but that was like the one part of them that I. I mean, personally, I think the original roof rack was such a dopey looking thing. It's this roundy, roly poly thing. It's it's part of the that, design of it. And it, for it, some it, reason, they only put the basket on the back half of the roof rack and not the front half. It's, it, it's I never like, understood. It's like that. a baker creates this wonderful cake, and on top they stick you know, uh, let's say a cherry, and you're like, I hate the cherry. I I don't want the but cherry. ours never had it originally. Ours didn't right, but they, with but it. they, you could buy, you could buy it with them. So to me, originality is always more uh, sought after than. Well, then leave it be. It's original without. No, the no, that, that came with it. You could buy one with it. That. Oh my goodness. You know, if I were a collector, um, then I'd want all the bits and pieces that you could get from Toyota for it. And none of the bits and pieces that you can. Uh, the other question I have is, since they're still building them, right, uh, and selling them, you think 25 years from now when those are able to be imported, do you think people will import them? Or maybe not even 25 years, right? It's less than that now. I, right? Because after 25 years, you can import vehicles from other countries legally. No, I don't think people will import them. No? Because you can buy them here. I mean, the, typically, like, the vehicles you see imported, for the most part, 
are like R34 GTI, right, R's but think and R32 about, think GTIs. Think about the market, right? Right now, one is almost worth the same as a new one if you get the 2014. So 25 years from now, they're going to be through the roof, right? And the ones from South Africa where they're abundant and still being made or the Middle East, right, are going to be much cheaper and they're going to be identical to the ones that are here. But they're, the South African ones are right-hand drive. Are they? Which is a problem. How about Middle East? Uh, Middle East, prob- I don't know what they're in the Middle East. Yeah, I think they're not. I think they're left-hand. Uh, that, I don't think they're classics yet. And Japan, of course, is right-hand Right-hand drive, drive yeah. yeah. I don't think they're a classic people, status yet. The people think the trail teams are. And I, and uh, I, but I think they're collectible, but I don't think they're classics. And I think they're still, I think we've got a little bit of depreciation to go yeah. before people. I mean, seven years old, there's very few cars in the world that appreciate at seven years old. Like BMW 1M appreciated. Um, yeah, like you know, like the exotics do. Like, the, like the, okay, I can tell you the ones that appreciated. The Demon appreciated. Right, but they built how many? Thirty five. Three thousand. Three thousand. The uh, Ford GT appreciated. They built. I know they're still thousand. building. They're still building them. There's no number. But yeah. I think they capped them. They, they're like we're only going to build. Uh, they, no, they, they capped them and then they said they're going to build more. All right. So they're still building them. Uh, what else was like that? Uh, yeah, these are very limited run numbers, right? They're not. It's not. You're not in the two hundred twenty thousand range, right? But. Once again, the, you know, the sought-after ones are going to be the last year of production, I think, or the last, you know, those, right? If, if you're a collector and you want one, at least I'm putting myself in those shoes because that's why we bought the last year. Do you want the low-mileage 2014 or do you want the high-mileage 2007? Well, as a collector, sure, but I still think that they built 13,000 or whatever it was in 2014. And let's face it, the original FJs are very collectible now. Yeah, but those are, for what, 60 years old. Yeah, and actually, actually, the FJ Cruiser can be more valuable than the original FJ because you can get an original FJ anywhere from you know if it's if it's pretty ratty, right, and it needs everything like fifteen k all the way up to like a pristine model is forty k, and a trails team is going to cost you forty five. So it's actually more expensive for the FJ than the original. Although to play devil's advocate, the ones that Meekum were selling for like seventy. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the ones. You know, <laughs> not, I'm not talking about the Icon ones. Those are two hundred k, right? I'm talking about like yeah, I, I think that like the, the ones you see look, that that are you know for sale. I, I have no doubt that in forty years the FJ Cruiser is going to be very valuable. But I still think we have another 15 years of depreciation. It's just not old enough. I mean, I think six years old. And if, if Toyota brings back another one, which they are rumored to do. There's a rumor that there might be an electric one. Then I think that could either. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah, but if that happens, it might decrease the value of the first ones. Or who knows, maybe it'll increase. And actually, I think the fact that the Forerunner is still being made uh, makes it even more valuable, right? Because uh, everybody's like. Hey, I can get a new Forerunner, but the one I really want is the Forbidden Fruit, which is the FJ. Well, we'll see. Let us know what you think in the comments below. And guys, thank you for spending another what half hour, forty five minutes with us. Yep. Uh, we really enjoyed these conversations. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you know you've got uh, us uh, to see, uh, and uh, we'd love to see your comments because we read them. Uh, and if you're listening to it as part of our podcast, thank you for you know joining us. Uh, this week uh, for the FJ slash Forerunner special. See you guys next time. Bye. Ciao. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.